After the sermon, we will have a word of prayer, asking the Lord to bless the preaching, and then we'll sing Psalter 261, 261, all the stanza. This service, dear congregation, belonging to Christ, we consider a question of the Lord to Job. Hast thou an arm like God? Now, that seems like a strange question, doesn't it? Children, does God have arms? What did the Lord mean with this question to Job? We should notice right away this question is part of a a whole number of questions. God asks Job in chapters 38 right through to chapter end of chapter 41. You see, Job, and I think many of you know this, he was suffering very much at this time. He lost everything. He was going through all kinds of trials, and he was struggling with many questions. You know, I'm quite sure, something of his tragic story and how he was wrestling especially where God was in all his pains and sorrows of his life. What was going on? And the book tells, too, of his friends who visited him, and they were not giving him very helpful counsel in his difficulties. But then, you see, here comes God. And he speaks to Job directly, as took place still in Bible times. Now he speaks through his word to us. He speaks to Job directly. And he asks Job many questions to show his almighty power and wisdom far exceeding Job's puny being and tiny mind. And among other questions, there's this question of the Lord. Hast thou an arm like God? The Lord here will now also speak directly to you and me with this self-same question tonight. Will you think about this question with me? Putting it in contemporary English. Have you an arm like God? Notice with me what an awe-inspiring question we have here. And what a reassuring question. And what a missionary question too. In other words, with this question, beloved, we shall learn God would so lead Job in the way of true and confident faith in him, even in his deepest of trials and most difficult times. As another put it, seeing God's greatness fosters faith in him regardless of circumstances. Job did not have the ability to judge the world and to understand everything. But God says, Job, look to me. Have you an arm like God? How is this an awe-inspiring question? By which I mean a question that is meant to stop old-time Job long ago, and us today too, you and me, to stop us in our tracks and to overwhelm us with God, who He is. The arm of God in Scripture refers to and is a human way of speaking about God's infinite power and wisdom and abilities in all circumstances and perplexities of life that we meet with. You know, sometimes you might 
see a person with arms that look so strong. Some people even take extra pains, don't they? And physical exercise to, to build up their, their, their strength in their arms. And they arch their arms and they flex their muscles. And then there's such a big muscle bulge there. And you say, wow, is that person ever strong? Maybe children in church, you think that about your dad, at least if you are younger still. What strong arms he has. Or parents and grandparents, you may think that of the, of the youth, of your grandsons, of your grandchildren, as they grow up, you see them developing and you see them growing in strength. Look at those bulging muscles of the youth while your own increasingly weaken and sag. You know, I read once a story about a person visiting France's famous art gallery in Louvre. As he was walking, this person silently from room to room, he saw a group of blind children led by their teacher. Blind children in an art gallery cannot but draw one's curiosity. But you see, this instructor or teacher, he was so good, he became their eyes, as it were, going to great lengths to describe each painting, making it so real to them, though they could not see it. And then the teacher, as the story goes, he also led his blind students to a room where the statue of an ancient Greek Olympic athlete stood on a pedestal. And the teacher described the statue and took each blind student's hand one by one and guided it so that the student could feel the muscle-bound figure and the perfect physique of this athletic specimen, this ancient sportsman of long ago. And the man who observed this teacher with his class He could see how the young boys, young children, especially the young boys, especially in them, they were so awe-stricken just to touch the powerful body contoured down to the very veins in stone, all asking if they could feel the muscles once more. And then then some of those spindly-legged youngsters, so the story goes, started to feel each other's tiny arms and giggled and chuckled at the difference. And their faces said it all. The man who observed this group, this class, as he saw it, he said he could see that they were thinking, those children, they were thinking, what must it be like to have the physique of that athlete? That's, that's the way life was meant to be. You have that, those kind of muscles, and you have everything. Of course, we know that isn't so. But telling you that just that little story now should help focus us on the awe-inspiring, almighty strength of the Lord. That was the purpose of the Lord's question, as we shall see what an almighty, awe-inspiring arm is found with the Lord. Have you an arm like God? Job, who suffered so terribly much as his book in his first chapters relates, losing all his children all his livelihood, all his health, having his wife against him and his friends not understanding him and unknown to him, having Satan all out to get him. He was facing untold difficulties and humanly impossible and unanswerable questions. But now notice, 
in our text how the Lord steps in and asks Job to look away from his small self and to think instead of God and of his power and of his might. God says with this question of our text in chapter 40, verse 9, A, Job, your situation is hopeless looking to yourself, but looking to me, trusting me anyways, even when you don't understand, regardless of your situation, don't you think that with the Lord help is to be found? The question, hast thou an arm like God, was intended by God to humble Job and to work in him a deeply submissive and repentant attitude before the Lord, to trust him even when he didn't understand. And that the same might be so with us, dear congregation, you and me. Think with me a little more about the strength of God's arm, the power of his might. In connection with the creation of the whole universe, with all its micro and macro grandeur and limitless wonders. Listen to Psalm 89, verse 11 to 13. We read there, The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them, thou hast created them, thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. You see, the Bible speaks here of the works of God's hands here on earth and the vast heaven and planetary world as the work of his fingers even. And it's all expressed, you see, in symbolic language to have us realize so strong and almighty is God's arm. A few verses after the question of our text in Job 40, God then gives, when we read it, a lengthy description of the behemoth, a great land animal, possibly an old-time dinosaur. Or something, maybe it was a hippo that he's describing. Or maybe an elephant. I think myself, dinosaur. Whatever the case. And then in chapter 41, God describes a mighty Leviathan. Meaning a huge sea monster. And these mammoth animals, God created along with all the rest of creation. All in six days at the beginning of time as Genesis 1 and 2 tells us about. And it's all meant to bring out, you see more, the awesome, almighty strength of God and his almighty arm. Very interestingly too, if you check scripture, both behemoth and leviathan in scripture in some sense typify Satan and all his powers and strength. But you see, in the hands of the Almighty God, yes, with His Almighty arm as our help, these evil powers, they cannot succeed nor ever overpower God and His plans and purposes, in particular, also with and for all His people. Well, sometimes you and I can think, we are so big and strong. Or we fear so much before the strong and the mighty of the earth who could stand before them and, and the forces of evil. But listen now, before God, what is man? And what are all the forces of evil and in this ungodly world? What are we but creatures of the dust? And the mightiest and the greatest on earth are but as specks and little ants or grasshoppers before God Almighty. The psalmist of Psalm 8 
says, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Dear congregation, don't we need, you and I, to be put in our place before God time and again? So yes, please, please come and see with me. And I say it reverently speaking even. Come, come and feel with me the arm of God. This is what God, as it were, was offering to Job. Don't look at things from your little weak point of view, but see it from my point of view, says the Lord. Have you an arm like God? And when God said, among other things, to Job, have you an arm like God? You know what became Job's response. We read it in chapter 42, verse 1, and 5 and 6, among other places where he says, then Job answered, but the scripture says, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought or purpose can be withholden from thee. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye sees thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Is, is that your response too? Seeing God's almighty, awe-inspiring arm. What cannot his arm accomplish? The strength of God's arm is almighty and is everlasting too. Your arms and mine, they may be strong somewhat for a few years, but it doesn't take long, and our arms become weak and frail too. And what is the strength of the arm, yours and mine? What is our strength? The strength of all mankind's arms together. What is it compared to God's arms? To God's arm. You need to see God's almighty, awesome arm. That's the point of this awe-inspiring question. Have you an arm like God? You know what the great tragedy is of mankind by nature. We are blind, aren't we, of ourselves, blind to the arm of God and relying on our own arm by nature in life. Though fashioned by the arm of God, we have in Adam and of ourselves sinned against God, haven't we? And we live by nature in rebellion against Him. Isn't that the way it is? Of ourselves? And isn't that what we see all around us in our fallen world? Over and over we can find in the Bible that God must say not just of the heathens, but of His covenant people that they were trusting in their own arm for their defense and their well-being in life. And always that's to no avail. Is it perhaps so that some among you, some among us here tonight, are trusting your own arm to make it in life? You don't look to God, but you think, I, I, can, I can live on my own. I'm, I'm fine. I have lots of strength in my arms. But listen, the Bible The Bible tells of the Lord having broken the arm of Pharaoh, the Egyptian heathen king who stood up his arm and fist against God. Ezekiel, Exodus 30, verse 21. God broke Pharaoh's arm. 
And the Bible tells about rebellious sorts, the sons of Eli, how the Lord in 1 Samuel 2.31 says, Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house. Oh, what can the arm of flesh hope to prevail over against the almighty arm of God, I ask you? In Jeremiah 17, verse 5, the prophet states, Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, meaning his strength, his reliance, and whose heart departs from the Lord. The arm of flesh, and living by that and depending on that, you cannot survive that way before the arm of God. Especially also when you realize that we in ourselves are fallen, guilty sinners before the Lord God Almighty. The arm of flesh from you and me is unholy and sinful, and the arm of God is holy and righteous. The arm of God must deal with sin, and the arm of God will punish the wicked, and not a single sinner of himself shall escape the righteous judgment of Almighty God with his arm against us. Do you understand this and believe this too? The arm of God, the all-time, almighty, awesome arm of God, does it humble you before Him, considering your own weakness before Him and realizing your own sinfulness before Him? Have you an arm like God? Can I get each one of you, yes, children and young people too, can I get you, as it were, to touch and feel God's arm? Come on, this evening. Touch and feel it. Move your hands in spirit over God's arm till you too are just overwhelmed with the power of His might. Isn't this the way to be persuaded once and again and again that nothing is impossible with God Almighty. Another question of the Bible, is anything too hard for the Lord? Yes, regardless our needs and our perplexities and our troubles and our sins and sinfulness, shouldn't this, as with Job, bring us also in utmost humility before the Lord and with true repentance to for the fact that we still so often dare to live in defiance and distrust against so great a God and His powerful arm. But let's go further here. And let's move to our next point and see another reason for God's question to Job. Have you an arm like God? It's not, it's not only an awe-inspiring question, congregation, but, but to have us see God's almighty strength and power. But it's, secondly, it's a reassuring question. A reassuring question. You say, what do I mean with that? A reassuring question. Well, by this question, God would encourage Job. These questions are meant in the last part of Job to encourage, to enlighten Job, to help him, to look to the Lord and to trust him alone and the power of his might, which God in mercy would exercise not against Job, but for Job. The Lord God with his arm is out to save, congregation, and not to destroy. His arm is an arm of redemption and salvation. That's what the Bible teaches. You know 
that redemption is all about God redeeming and saving sinners. Redemption is all about God coming to the defense and the help of the helpless and hopeless against our enemies to come to help guilty, lost sinners and with His arm to bring escape and deliverance and refuge, rich and free, through His power. And, and isn't this the good news of the Bible over and over? Yes, beginning with the first question of the Bible. Adam, where are you? You see, this is what God is all about, isn't it? With His arm of strength. God came to seek and to save sinners and He came to destroy the works of Satan. Yes, to, to crush His head. To remove Him from us. And God in mercy will show His arm of strength. And so He comes to us not only with this awe-inspiring question, have you an arm of, like God? He comes to us not to consume us, but to, but, but to reassure us to, that with Him is help, with re- Him is redemption, deliverance. Yes, total salvation by grace through His saving power and work alone on our behalf. And this becomes so clear when you look up other texts. Speaking of the arm of God, with God's outstretched arm in defense of, and offense for us, who can be against us? The strength of God's arm outstretched on our behalf, congregation, is almighty and unbeatable. Sometimes you don't know who's going to win an arm wrestle. But in, with God, He always is unbeatable. Psalm 77, verse 15 declares thus about God, Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. And Paul, when telling in Acts 13 in the New Testament the story of Israel's history, he says, The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high or uplifted arm brought he them out of it. And Moses, in Exodus 15, having just passed miraculously through the Red Sea with all Israel on the shore on the other side safe and the Egyptians defeated, drowned under the waves of the sea, Moses says then that fear and dread by the greatness of God's arm was evident in his people's defense. The greatness of God's arm. Well, these texts... They relate, do you see it with me, how, how God will redeem sinners with his arm. And, and that judgment, judgment against sinners is his strange work. It's there, but it's not his gospel work. It's his strange work. It is gospel, finally, because then the wicked will be, all be undone and forever gone. But it's still the day of grace. For all those who will not bow before the Lord, but continue in sin and wickedness, we read in Psalm 37, verse 17, God says clearly there, the arms of the wicked shall be broken. That's right, they'll be broken. Yet the point of God's question to Job in our text ultimately is that all peoples should repent and believe on the Lord and look to the Lord and His redeeming work on sinners' behalf. With Job, God would stir him up, you see, in humble reliance upon the Lord so that Job would not be put to shame. Yes, regardless, sin, sickness, tragedy, death, Satan, and hell, 
and all this ungodly world, believers are safe in the arms of the Savior God. That's what the Lord would reassure God's people in all generations with this question to Job. Have you an arm like God? And isn't that the purpose of the sermon now, this evening? And of all faithful gospel preaching in our times. The purpose of the gospel preaching is not that any perish, but that all repent and believe and flourish in the salvation and arm of God for our defense as revealed ultimately in Jesus Christ. With God's outstretched arm, he delivered the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt, and you all know that story. But we also know, don't we, that that was just a foreshadowing of how the Lord literally and ultimately with His Son, Jesus Christ, and His outstretched arms on the cross of Calvary, the Lord would by Him come to save sinners and to conquer Satan and to deliver us once for all from all that seems to be against us. Do you see this with me, beloved? And here I come really to the climax of this sermon and to something I never ever thought about before, but find now so beautiful in reflecting on it with you now. I am, in God's name, inviting you, congregation, to come and to see and to touch and to feel God's arm in this service. But did you realize, in doing so, I'm really calling you to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself? Are you aware? That the Bible refers to Jesus as the arm of the Lord. You know how, I think you know, how I love the different names and titles for Jesus in the Bible, over 200. But have you ever thought of him also described this way, as the arm of the Lord? Where do you find that for sure, you ask? In Isaiah 53. I don't know how I could have missed it, reading that chapter so often. But what, that's really the beauty of Holy Scripture, isn't it? Under the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 of Isaiah 53 reads, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, etc. And then you know you have the whole prophecy of the suffering of the crucified, but also risen, exalted Savior, who was wounded for our transgressions and by whose stripes we are healed. In Isaiah 52, verse 9 and 10, just before Isaiah 53, we read this gospel message introduction of Isaiah 53. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Isn't that something, congregation? The Lord makes bare his arm. In Jesus Christ, he shows us his arm. And isn't this so rich, reassuring gospel meant to melt our hearts in faith and love to God? 
Come, see and feel and touch, yes, God's arm as he sets his arm bare before you and me here this evening for all the world to see. Yes, with his arm especially revealed in Jesus' person and work as Savior, especially, yes, on the cross, on Golgotha. Oh, how Job suffered in his life under vicious satanic attack when he didn't realize it all even and living in this sinful world being himself too a sinner. But behold, now Jesus Christ and him crucified always without sin and behold his suffering for sin not his own and Satan so after him. But by his arm he accomplished redemption. That he might as the just for the unjust bring us to God and by his almighty arm thus save his people from their sins. In the context of the whole book of Job, the Lord is the one who crushes Satan's head and takes care of that enemy. And the Lord is the one who brings good in the most evil situations, brings the clean out of the unclean. The Lord is the Savior by His almighty arm. And so Psalm 98 in verse 1 and 2, which we also have been singing from, from Psalm 98, we read there, O sing unto the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm has gotten Him the victory. The Lord has made known His salvation, His righteousness, has he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. And you know what Virgin Mary said? She sang, we may believe, about Jehovah God when she was miraculously pregnant with Jesus, the promised Messiah. We read in Luke 1.51, she testifies about the Lord. He has shown strength with his arm. And you see, this is the gospel truth and it's meant sincerely as a calling to all peoples to put all our hope and trust in the Lord as revealed in Christ Jesus. Even when nothing makes sense, have you an arm like God? How shall any find victory over the realities of sin and evil and suffering and sickness and death and Satan and his demons except the Lord and his arm be your my refuge and strength? You know, nothing really in life makes sense apart from faith in God as revealed in Christ Jesus. That, that is what God would have Job and his friends to get. And us too now, to see and to understand and to believe this. God's question to Job was thus both an awe-inspiring question and a reassuring question in the way of faith and steadfast reliance upon God and God alone. Even Job's friends, you know, with their well-meaning counsel, they were misdirecting poor Job. They were saying, Job, it's your fault somehow. You're living in sin somehow. But you know, God never misdirects us with his counsel, leading us once and again to himself alone as the ultimate source of every blessing for body and soul, in life and death, for now and forever. Beware of all counsel, young people and children. Beware of all counsel, all of us also when we get older, that doesn't direct and point us to the only Savior of sinners and the only true comfort for us in every situation of belonging to Him. 
Oh, how Jesus Christ, as sin-bearer in his people's place, as substitute for sinners, suffered the equivalent of God's righteous, eternal wrath against sin. And he endured the, the agonies of body and soul in his human frame with the arm of God against him as sin-bearer. That the arm of God might never have to be brought against us, even for as many as trust and obey him. You know, God's question to Job was meant to be a reassuring question so that Job would not lose hope. His friends were making him feel more hopeless. But God comes in with hopeful questions. And it's like as what Paul says in Romans 8, if God be for us, Job, get this, if God be for us, as he is in Christ Jesus, who shall be against us? Well, does anyone here need this reassurance? That with God we are more than conquerors, come what may. Yes, whether we live or die. Are you much tempted with sin, perhaps? Maybe bosom sins are just getting at you. You can't seem to overpower them. Are you grieved with many shortcomings? Are you overwhelmed with trials or routines or busyness? Are you frustrated in different ways? Are you having relationship challenges? Are you suffering in any way at all? Do you feel satanic attacks? Are you filled with anxious cares and sorrows because of the forces of evil within us still and, and all around us bearing down upon us, it seems, today from all fronts? Oh, look to the God of the Bible, including the God of the book of Job. Look to the Almighty Lord and His arm as, as ultimately revealed in Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior. That Savior who is both human and divine in one person. That Savior sent to redeem and to save and to help poor and needy sinners like us in this cursed world with Satan still prowling around. See in him the arm of God in Jesus Christ, for you are my help. And call upon him, and you will not be put to shame. Have you an arm like God? With the Lord is an almighty arm, beloved, that is so gracious, so gentle, so good, so glorious. He gathers the lambs, children. He gathers the lambs, the young ones, with his arms, we are told. In Isaiah 40, 11. And Isaiah 63, verse 12, we read there about God leading his people with his glorious arm. You could say with a wonderful arm. You know, when I first read that verse, Isaiah 63, 12, in my study in preparation for this sermon, I, I, I thought of how as a child, yeah, especially in church, I would lean against my mother's arm. It was such a safe and warm and pleasant place. And you know, God's arm in Christ Jesus is far better still. More warm, more safe, more loving and pleasant. Indeed, God's arm is also ever-present, and as I said before, an everlasting arm. Listen to this beautiful verse in Isaiah 33, verse 2. O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for thee. Be thou their arm that is, thy people's arm, every morning, our salvation also in time of trouble. Ah, 
Isn't that exactly what God will be for us and what we need every day, every morning? What a prayer to pray, congregation. And God teaches us as a prayer that we may pray. Isaiah 33, 2. Be my arm and all your people's arm every morning again. Yes, Lord, be our strength in all our salvation day by day. And God surely will be so for Jesus' sake who remember when he was on the cross was left with no help, no arm to lean on. He was left forsaken. And his people, as many as trust him, as Job did too, might never be forsaken, but always rather embraced by God and protected and preserved by him. Well, do you understand this beautiful, wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ? As it also comes to us with this awe-inspiring question, have you an arm like God? And just to give one more text, teaching how reassuring this question it was and is meant to be in light of all the Bible, listen yet to, and maybe you're waiting for this, Deuteronomy 33, 27. There God says to his people, as they were about to cross into the land of Canaan and were facing giants and unknown future with many enemy nations all around them, God says, the eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee. Isn't that amazing, dear congregation? You know, with such light texts and so great a God, we may well say with the psalmist, as expressed in Psalter 2.11, as we sang, Thou only doest wondrous things. The whole world thy glory sings. Thy outstretched arm thy people saves. Though sore distressed and long enslaved. Well, do you so know and testify of this God, dear older ones, parents, single ones, young people, children, everyone here? Come, come, come here. And as it were, take all this scripture and and touch and feel the arm of God. And don't stop touching it and feeling it, his arm, in faith, till you too know and say, yes, this question, have you an arm of God like God? It truly is both an awe-inspiring question and a reassuring question. Indeed, O Holy Spirit, work this gospel fruit, I pray, upon this preached word today. And surely... When you and I are thus so impressed and blessed in the Christian faith with this question, have you an arm like God? Won't that show in you also agreeing with our third point yet how this question is surely meant to as a missionary question, a missionary question. And by this, by this I mean God clearly intended for Job not only to know God's saving strength and to rely upon it himself, but to live that others might know it too. And Job, we know, was someone who in his family was a godly man. And in his community, you can read it in the book, he sought to be a witness. And, and the fact that God says to Job, you just look at my arm. God is saying to Job, keep testifying of me. And the fact that God is laying bare his arm in Christ Jesus, sinners to save is something that, would have, that the Lord would have all the world to know. Especially too when you realize that if, if, this, if, if the Lord with his salvation arm doesn't save us, then, then, 
then, then we're going to stay lost. And then we're going to be in bondage to Satan and cast into hell with Satan. But, but God says, no, tell, tell the world about the arm of the Lord. And God declares, doesn't he? It's his people's calling to witness and to proclaim his only gospel for sinful people in the sinful globe so full of suffering and misery of all kinds. Oh, if people would only repent and, and believe in Jesus Christ, only in that way can there come deliverance and, uh, from sin and suffering and pain and shame. And can, can there come meaning and purpose in life? And we can be delivered from endless destruction. So many people around us and possibly here still among us are foolishly relying on self and the arm of flesh to make it in life. You know, very sadly and tragically, we should remember it in prayer after how many people are putting needles in their arms literally to fix their lives somehow only to destroy themselves more in their drug addiction which has today become a pandemic most terrible. But listen, however Hopeless are times and people's lives in bondage to sin and Satan and self. People may be. This is the gospel truth still. God's arm is almighty. And it's a merciful missionary arm calling to all to turn from sin and unbelief. And to acknowledge and follow Jesus Christ as only Savior and Lord. Isaiah 40 verse 10 exhorts, Behold, the Lord will come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. I ask, is there anyone here who really will not submit to him and become one of his sheep? Considering how he cares for his own, even when it sometimes doesn't seem like it. Oh, consider the arm of God and let no one refuse the Lord. This is a missionary question from the merciful God who is not willing that any should perish. We read in the Bible. And knowing the gospel reality is so much better in the New Testament age, congregation, how, how we should be diligent in witnessing of the arm of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. How much more we ought to be so today, having the bare arm of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ, even in a far greater way than Job ever saw in his time. Have you an arm like God? Is a missionary call too, in the sense that it should make us pray much for God to work in our times with his spirit reviving and saving power. You know, except God opened the eyes and hearts of blind and hardened sinners how will anyone ever see and understand the gospel? Especially in our times when, when many evildoers show their arm of strength in all kinds of terrible ways. And when it seems like Satan is on the loose, let's pray truly and often a prayer like you find in Isaiah 51 verse 9. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Yeah, I think to myself, let's be like that teacher. When we're Christians, let's be like that teacher with those young blind kids. And let's try to have those around us. As God gives us opportunity to see and behold the arm of the Lord.
Oh, dear congregation, let us so live and so function as Church of our Lord Jesus Christ and live to point others to the great arm of God as revealed in the Savior, that only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved or else we perish. Have you an arm like God? What an awe-inspiring question telling of Almighty God. What a reassuring question proclaiming the Redeemer God. And what a motivating missionary question telling of our merciful God in Christ Jesus whom to know is life eternal. In conclusion, will you just feel your arm for a minute, your own arm? And now come here and touch and feel the arm of God and be moved, be, be astonished with the almighty power of God and be reassured of the redeeming, saving power found with him in every and all situations, especially from all sin and Satan and his destructive plots and be moved in missionary zeal for the Lord in view of his merciful call for all to come unto him and be saved. Have you an arm like God? Thanks, God, for so great a gospel question with so full a gospel answer. May it lead us all and many more in the way of the gospel and in gospel service while it's still the day of grace. Amen. Let's pray.